Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. The Colorado Avalanche have won the Stanley Cup. Raymond Barr, a dream, has come true. Featured ahead, McKinnon racing and shoots and scores! Nathan McKinnon! President Jim Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Griffin Youngs, joined by my co-host, Christian Boulay. Christian, how are you doing? Hockey is finally back. I know you've got to be feeling pretty good. Oh, I'm feeling great, man. We got I got four TVs right now. We're rocking all sorts of hockey. I do have the football game on, but man, it feels so good to have some sports at the uh, in the middle of the week, and you just can't beat it. You just not, can't beat it. Not at all. I mean... I, I, I'm using ESPN Plus for the first time. I cannot even describe the euphoric feeling I got turning on the quad box for the first time and putting on the Panthers game and who else was playing? The Islanders, the Leafs, and the, the Rangers game. I could watch four games at once. It was just such a, a brain massage for me to do. Yeah, no, I kind of wish I would have known how to do that. And I would have bought four TVs, but uh... – Maybe uh, when we get in the heart of the season and we got like eight games on, I'll turn the Octo box on. But yeah, I mean, it's just fantastic to have hockey back. I didn't know how much I missed it until Tuesday night when the when the Lightning and Penguins game started. And ever since then, man, it's just been hockey 24-7 for me. It's been awesome. It's just so, so great to have it back. And you know what makes it even better? When the Avalanche come out and play like they did against the Chicago Blackhawks to open the season, the Avs win four to two over the Blackhawks. And at least for the first 10 minutes of that game, I don't think that could have gone any better. That that first period was one of the most dominant I have seen. Oh, it was fantastic. I was in the, I went to the game last night. It was awesome having, having ball arena filled up. Uh, I will say a couple things just about ball arena. They put the cup holders up on the, up on the chair arms now. And I'm a bigger guy. I'm about like 6'6", 240. It is tight now. Like, I'm a big dude. And I sit next to another guy. He's a little bit bigger dude, too. And we both were like, damn, these seats got tighter, man. Like, it was it was rough there. 
Um, and then the lines getting in, I, I tweeted about this yesterday. I didn't miss the lines last year. Like it took me a solid 30 minutes to get in the building. But then once you're sitting next to all the fans and everyone's cheering, it is just, it, there's nothing like it. I mean, there's nothing like being in a full arena with a bunch of fans and all just cheering on the avalanche. I don't think there's anything that you can, you can even come close to it. No, I mean, I, you, you could see the atmosphere on TV, just the, the entire atmosphere was electric. The crowd was buzzing from the get go. And what better way to, to start the season than a Jack Johnson oh, breakaway man. going top shelf on Marc-Andre Fleury on his backhand. Has there ever been a more hilarious goal ever scored in the history of the league? I, I don't think so. I mean, we, we joked about it. We sent a tweet out on, uh, what was it, Tuesday night on the Teledabs it is Twitter asking who would score the first goal, and everyone was on board with Miko. And then there was one guy who tweeted Jack Johnson or Bowen Byram. And I cannot believe that guy got it right. I wish he would have put money on it because he's he probably doesn't have to work for a couple weeks if he would have done it because it was one of the most hilarious goals. And the first thing I thought of when that goal went in was I texted you just laughing so hard because we had given Jack Johnson some shit. Um, Me specifically. <laughs> I've given ja- I've given Jack Johnson his share of shit on this show. And I got to tell you, <laughs> watching that goal happen, I burst out laughing. That was so, so perfect. I mean, no one saw that coming. Who is like, it wasn't even that Jack Johnson scored a goal or not even that Jack Johnson scored the first goal of the year. That alone would have been funny. It's Jack Johnson on a breakaway, one-on-one with Marc-Andre Fleury, and he cuts to his backhand and beats him clean. Dude, it, it was a goal what I would the, expect McKinnon to score. <laughs> That's the, a goal I would expect McKinnon or even maybe McCarr. But Jack Johnson in his 16th year pulls off one of the slickest moves. And I, I think the whole stadium was laughing just at how ridiculously awesome that was. And it's a highlight that'll live forever. Like he could do nothing right the rest of the year, but he'll have that goal. He'll have yeah. that goal. Well, he he could turn over every puck for the rest of the year. And it does not matter if I'm completely right about him for the rest of the season. He will always be the guy who scored the first goal of the season. And that's going to be on every highlight reel for the abs all season long. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if he gets cut by the time we're finished this episode, like unbelievable move, just the manner that he scored it in the place just went crazy no one saw that coming nobody no no one and i mean the the part that goes unnoticed in that goal too is just the play by gabe landeskog just to stop uh look and just deliver a perfect pass right back to jack johnson i mean it's textbook stuff from landeskog and then i mean you you go forward with it landy had uh he had a goal himself on a he was in front of the net tipped one in gave the abs a two nothing lead and it was just buzzing after that man um, I thought Landy played a really, really good game. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts were on him. Landeskog played really, really well. And we'll, we'll get to the one thing that he didn't do quite well later. Spoiler alert. Uh, Landeskog's <laughs> going to be unavailable for two games. We'll talk about that hit on, was it on Debrinkat or Doc in the third period? I think period. it was on Doc. Yeah, it was, it was on, on Kirby Doc in the third period. But as for early on, Landeskog was outstanding. A lot of people 
unfairly call Landeskog a product of McKinnon over the last couple of years. And I hope this game dispelled a bit of that notion. He is always effective every time he's on the ice, whether it's his net front presence, his playmaking ability. I mean, this guy was a first overall pick and a Calder winner well before McKinnon for a reason. He was outstanding in this game. And like we saw in the Blues series, he set the tone in this one. He sets the tone every time he's on the ice and got the crowd into the game, continued the momentum with that second goal, and just continued to to play really well, even without superstar McKinnon to carry him, as some would accuse him. Yeah, I. it's tough with Landeskog because I think he does get overshadowed by how good Miko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon are because he's not as flashy. Uh, he does all the dirty stuff down low. He gets pucks on net, tips him home. He, he's just a fantastic player, and you saw why he's irreplaceable uh, last night. I mean, without McKinnon, he had to step up, and he stepped up. Uh, I, I'm i excited for Landy this year. I know we kind of preluded to it with the, with the suspension and all that stuff. It's going to be interesting to see how the abs respond to that. But I thought he was fantastic last night. And then the other player that – I mean, he was the first star for a reason. That's Bowen Byram. I, I know we talked about this in a couple earlier episodes, but Bowen Byram looked like the fourth overall pick last night. He scored his first career goal, jumped up on the play and got an assist as well. I mean, Bowen Byram was unreal last night. Um, I, I don't know. What would you think of him so far? Bowen Byram, if there were any doubts at all for whatever reason coming into this season – that, oh, he might not be ready as of yet, those are gone. Those are 100% gone. That was one of the most dominant players on the ice, and it's just unfair that we're going to have him and Makar for the foreseeable future. That was an outrageous snipe from Bo Byram. I Could there have been a more perfect first period for that game? The hilarious Jack Johnson goal, you get Landeskog, your captain, scoring that goal in his first game since signing that massive contract and then you get that from Bo Byram to finally get that first NHL goal off of his back granted it hasn't been that long for him but didn't he already match his point total from last season in like 20 minutes I think so I think so I mean because he played probably it had to have been no more than five or six games last year before he got hurt um yeah and he picked but, up like two assists i believe in that stretch and he had two points by the end of the period yeah he was awesome uh i honestly would go as far to say he was more noticeable on the ice than kale mccarr and that oh yeah mccarr pretty... looked, li- looked a little rusty this was essentially his preseason game since he was dealing with something that was nagging at him during the preseason byram has had the rookie tournament and preseason all the preseason games and now getting into the action he is 100% ready to go. I'm not I'm not worried at all about McCarr. He's just going to take a minute to get up to speed. But Bo Byram, I mean, what else can you say about the guy? His ceiling is through the roof. And if tonight was any indication, he's ready. 100% ready to go. And he's going to be in the top four all season long. Without a doubt, he's going to be in the top four. And not to go unnoticed, he made some fantastic defensive plays last night too. His positioning uh, has gotten way better. It's gotten way better. His stick was in the right place every single time. He broke up a couple plays, and I, it looked so nonchalant for him. It looked a little bit like McCarr, uh, which if he can be a solid defenseman on top of the scoring, I, I don't know if there's a better decor 
in the NHL other than the Avalanche right now. I don't. I don't think there is one. I don't think there is. And that, and the best part about that is it's not going anywhere. I mean, you can argue like, oh, the Lightning one through six maybe have a better one. I don't believe that. But the Lightning's defensive core is much older than the Avalanche. Makar is 22. Byram is 20. And Gerard is, what, 23? Gerard's the elder statement at 23. Yeah, they're going <laughs> like- nowhere. And they're only getting better. They're only getting better, and this was without Devon Taves, too, who was, next to Kale McCart, the best defenseman for the Avalanche last year. And the, from what I've heard, it sounds like he could be back in a couple of weeks. I think the uh, rumor is like six games. or so. I think when we get back from that road trip, that first one, Taves will probably be back. But you're right, yeah. This was without McKinnon, without Jared Bednar, and without Devon Taves. I mean – that's not a combination that many teams can lose and be as dominant as they were. I mean, you lose your head coach alone that can throw things into disarray. You lose your, your star player that can throw things in disarray. You lose the other half of your top pair, you're scrambling to replace them. This could not have gone any better for how badly things went coming into this game. It was like nothing changed at all. Yeah, I think all Avs fans kind of hit the panic button when it was. Was it Wednesday that McKinnon was announced he tested positive? Uh, it was or like Tuesday. Two, Tuesday. It was like two days before the game, I think. Or was it? Was it the day before? It may have been the day before or Monday. I can't remember, but he every he tested positive. I was I was nervous. Yeah, we were we were texting you. each other like, ah, here we go again. It's the we're cursed. It's the Avalanche. Yeah. We can't start the season healthy. It's what I said a couple weeks ago when the Taze thing first came out. I was like, we can't we can't even have just one game where everybody's healthy just the one it's it's honestly crazy at this point but it's kind of become so normal that i've gotten used to it i mean last year was the first year we went into the playoffs and i think other than johnson being out that was the healthiest we've been like that was the healthiest we've been yeah when we were dealing with mckinnon going like day to day and game to game at the end of the year there i mean you can look at any season in the last decade and be like, when has this team ever really been healthy? I mean, it, it cost us a, a cup shot when we faced the Stars. I think we would have beaten the Stars if we were healthy. Ugh. And, I mean, you, people forget that in the year uh, we lost to San Jose, McKinnon got hurt in that game seven. He hurt his shoulder, and he was out for almost a period. So it, it's just been it's been terrible luck, and I know every team goes through it. But it seems like the Avs just get snake bitten more than anyone yeah, else. It just feels like other teams deal with injuries sometimes, and we get that on steroids. Because most teams, at least for a couple games out of 82, can put on a fully healthy roster for at least a little bit. It just never feels that way for the Avalanche. And thankfully, we have such a, a deep team that we have guys like Ranta and Newhook and guys who can come in like Cout and Bowers that were able to survive stuff like that. But on the topic of our depth, what did you make of Sample Ranta and Alex Newhook last night? I thought Sample Ranta played really well. Um, he was around the puck. He was physical. I thought he had a really good game. Uh, I thought Newhook impressed too. Actually, that whole line, I like that line with Joe Newhook and Ranta. I thought they were a really good line for the Avalanche last night. Joe drew a penalty on a breakaway. He was solid on the PK, and I mean, they got timmed in their own zone a couple of times, but 
I really like that line. I know there were concerns with Newhook, uh, his defensive end play, but I thought he was really good. Um, and I thought they brought a lot of energy, which is what you need out of a third line. Yeah, I honestly, I didn't, I didn't love Ranta last night and Newhook. I didn't notice all too much. I thought Jost was the best player on the line, but for Ranta, I think that's just you're playing in your first regular season game. I mean, we forget that Ranta went into the lineup against Vegas, so I don't think there was the pressure that got to him. There's not really much more of a bigger pressure situation than making your NHL debut in the second round against the Golden Knights. So I think maybe as the season goes on, he'll adjust a few things in his game. Coaches will get their hands on him and fix a few things. I just need to see a a little more... I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is not energy because they were clearly buzzing a bit and decision-making, I guess is what I'm looking for, but they're young guys. They're all going to figure it out. And I don't think we even got to talk about this since this kind of happened after our, our last show is that Maltsev ended up uh, was the guy that got cut and Ranta and Newhook were the ones staying that, that surprised me. What did you think of it? Definitely surprising. I know when we talked with Raj last week, he had been pretty complimentary of how Maltsev had played so far this year. And I, I agreed. I, he was noticeable in all the preseason games. Definitely looked better than uh, Newhook for a majority of the games that happened in the preseason. But, I mean, that's just kind of the way it happened. And I, I was a little bit surprised he wasn't the first call-up either. They called up Megna, which was a little surprising. But it, it's I, I trust Joe Sackick, what he's doing with the team. Uh, maybe Baltzev we'll see later in the year, but it was definitely surprising. I think it caught everyone a little off guard. Yeah, and I still think we're going to see the kind of thing where everyone rotates every here and there. I wouldn't, I honestly wouldn't be too surprised if Maltsev comes in against St. Louis over the weekend. Just you see Ranta play one night, Maltsev play another. I think Newhook is probably going to stay in the lineup for the most part, just due to him being a center. And that's kind of the guy we're trying to develop in the, the case that Kadri walks in the off season, but I wasn't overly impressed by their games. I didn't, I don't think they played poorly. I thought Ranta was okay. I thought new hook was ineffective, but not bad. It's just things were kind of canceled out when he was on the ice, which isn't bad for a kid. You can, you know, if I, if he was bad, he would have been turning over pucks and leading the goals against. I just thought he was, Decent, you know, wasn't creating much, wasn't allowing much to happen. Jost had a couple scoring chances, but we're up three nothing, and we're what was the shots on goal? Seventeen to three by the end of the yeah, first was, period, and it was something like that. It, it was one of the best periods of hockey that the Avs have played in a long time. Yeah, it was just so unbelievably good, and. You get goals from Jack Johnson and Bo Byram and your captain. You're feeling good going into the locker room. So the Blackhawks got that one really pretty goal at the end of the period, but it didn't, it didn't really feel like it changed anything because it was just such a, a perfect shot. Yeah, it was a great shot by Kubelik. Um, the, the one thing that I, I was a little bit concerned about uh, that I took away from the game was the power play didn't look too good. I mean, without yeah. McKinnon, you, you kind of expect that but they looked out of sorts. They just did not look good. Uh, but once you get McKinnon back, I think that's definitely going to help. I mean, you got a bunch of players on there because it was Kyle, it was Comfer and Burakovsky got moved up to power play one. Um, and I thought they did okay, but it, it, it just didn't look the same. We were joking in the stands that the 
the drop-off pass that McCarr usually gives to McKinnon doesn't hit the same when it's being dropped off to JT Comfer. Yeah. Like you just don't get that jolt of excitement like you do when McKinnon has the puck. But I was definitely a little concerned with the power play. Um, the PK looked okay. They gave up that one power play goal. But it's the first game of the year. I'm not going to overreact. Uh, but there's definitely some improvements to be made. And hopefully when McKinnon comes back, that'll that'll help the power play a little bit because that needs to be a strong suit of the avalanche this year. Yeah, that is something I, I wanted to to bring up eventually with just you look at the the big guns on that power play. McKinnon's obviously not there. McCarr, this is his first game since game six against Vegas. Rantanen, I don't know what you thought about him, but he looked like he was getting really fancy last night, not as effective as he could be. So you look at that and then you have Landis Gog, who's not a, who's not a driver on that power play. And I wasn't that surprised that they struggled, honestly. Yeah, I wasn't surprised. You're missing the ultimate playmaker in McKinnon. I, I thought Miko played good. He had a couple chances. He tried one of those below-the-goal-line tips late in the second or third period. I can't remember. Uh, I, I had Miko Rantanen as an anytime goal scorer in uh, in the game, and I was a little bummed he didn't score. But I think he, had, he ended up having an assist or two, if I remember right. Yeah, I think I think he ultimately did at the end of the night. But I mean, we were talking about Ranton and scoring fifty goals before the yeah. season, and and he's not going to hit that if he's deferring to to JT Comfer. No, but I, I think credit's got to go a little bit to the Blackhawks there. They really focused in on uh, Ranton and on the power play, and they shut him down for m- most part. But luckily, the Avs depth stepped up, and they they carried the they carried the weight for the night for sure. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the beautiful part of this team. You're losing McKinnon. They're focusing in on Rantanen, who's number two. And who are you getting goals from? Shaq Johnson, and then your captain, the other big piece on that top line, Bo Byram and Nazem Kadri in his first game back from suspension, which yep. was just really great to see. I know he scored a couple times in the preseason, but for him to to get on the board in this one just just felt particularly good. It was great to see Kadri back out there, and I, I agree. I know we talked about this last week. Kadri is one of the most important players for the Avalanche this year. He needs to step up, especially with Brandon Saad leaving and Don Skoy leaving. He, he needs to step up, and I, I think getting off the schneid early in the year kind of takes a little bit of a weight off his shoulders. I don't think he needs to worry a lot about it. I mean, the goals are going to come for that guy. He's in the right spot majority of time. Um. And it was just fantastic to see him back out there because he is such a crucial player for the Avalanche. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to win the Stanley Cup without Nazem Kadri, as we saw last year. If he takes himself out of out of the game again, we're just simply not going to win, especially not against the, the Golden Knights, who we had that center depth advantage over. And you see it now, and now that he's out of his cold streak and has his confidence back for a new season, you see just how effective he can be on a nightly basis. And we, we just need him to stay, especially now. I mean, speaking of suspensions, we're going to be digging even deeper into our pool. I'm sure we'll get to, to Landis Gog a bit eventually. I mean, we can get to him now. I mean, there wasn't really any other goals the Avalanche scored in this game. At the end of the game, it's 4-2 to two for the Avs. And Kirby Doc's taking that puck down the board. He drops to a knee. Landis Gog finishes his check. And no one on the Blackhawks liked it. Department of Player Safety looks at it. Landis Gog gets booted from the game and suspended for the next two games. What did you make of the hit? So when I was watching it live, it was definitely – it looked a little chippy. 
Um, but then when I came back home and watched the replays of it, it, it didn't look as bad. I, I guess my gripe with Department of Player Safety is, and maybe it's not even the Department of Player Safety, it's with the referees. If the referees are going to call that just a two-minute boarding call, how can you go back and then suspend them for two games? Like, that's got to be a game misconduct or something because it just blows my mind how they can go back and look at something that was a two-minute penalty on the ice and then that suddenly turns into a two-game suspension. Yeah, it's just Department of Player Safety and the Avalanche have just never mixed over the last few years. Personally, I didn't like the hit from Landis Gog. I feel like if the tables were turned and one of the Blackhawks hit, like, let's say, Newhook, in that case, I feel like we'd be on here pretty upset and calling for a suspension. But two games, just it doesn't seem to to line up here with what actually happened. Because in Landis Gog's defense, Doc did have the puck and he was still playing the guy with the puck. He was still finishing his check. He could have done it better. But with the Kadri suspension last year and now this one. Just two games seems harsh, and I don't think that would have happened without his prior suspension history. Without a doubt, it, it's it's a repeat offender type of penalty. Um, it's it's just kind of the nature of the beast. I know that hockey's trying to get those plays out of the league, and they need to because it was dangerous. Luckily, Doc wasn't injured, so it wasn't the wasn't the end of the world. But I, I just. I think the hit was iffy, and then a two-game suspension just seems a little over the top for me. Yeah, I mean, if that's the precedent that is being set and they follow that standard, then you know what? I might be okay with that. But I learned my lesson from the Kadri thing last year because when the Kadri suspension was announced, I was mad because you had plenty of incidents where there were no suspensions and Following that, in game one of the series against Vegas, Ryan Reeves is ripping out Ryan Graves' hair. And what do you get? Two games? Three games? And Kadri got, got a full seven games. So immediately that precedent was broken. And it's not like Reeves is not a repeat offender. He was suspended in the bubble as well the year before. So it just seems like I'm not going to say the NHL hates us or anything. I'm not a, I'm not a crybaby. But it just it just seems like we never get a break with that sometimes. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it's it's a bummer. It's just kind of the way we're at right now. And we're gonna have to adjust without Landeskog. Hopefully McKinnon's back on Saturday. I haven't heard anything more about if he's going to be. But if we're down to just Miko on that top line, it's gonna be a grind for sure. I mean, the blues, that's gonna be the first game of the year. They're gonna be pretty jazzed up. They're going to be ready to go. The Avs are going to need to find a lot what they did in game one against the Blackhawks and be ready to go because the Blues are going to have a lot of animosity after they got their butts kicked by the Avalanche last year in the playoffs. And it's you're going to be playing without two of your best three players. Yeah, I, th- I, think you're, I think you're totally right about the Blues. The Blackhawks, it seemed to me, just weren't particularly ready to go in this one. Are they for some reason underestimated the avalanche like we just beat them in every facet of the game in the first period and if the if the blackhawks played the first period the way they played the next two the game probably would have been a lot closer so i'd be a lot more cautious going up against a blues team opening up their season against the team that eliminated them last year we're without mckinnon and landis gog and taze i mean we'll like you said we'll see about mckinnon 
it se- it just seems 50-50 at the moment as to whether he'll be back. They're hoping he can test out. He do- he's not dealing with any symptoms from the last I heard. At very least, he'll be I think he'll be back against Washington. I mean, it's it's a pretty tough stretch to be going without two of your your top line players and your top pair defensemen and potentially your head coach. You've got St. Louis who we've talked about as being a bit of a wild card in this central division. They might be really good. They might just be okay. But I think for this first game, they're going to be a team to watch out for. And then you have the capitals who I questioned whether or not they were going to be very good in our division preview show. Everyone knows that I'm also a caps guy that capitals game against the Rangers on Wednesday is one of the best games I've seen the capitals play in a long time. And if they're bringing that energy for their third game of the year against the Avalanche next week, that is going to be one tough matchup for this team. Yeah, I was only able to catch the uh, second period of the Capitals-Rangers game. I I was shocked. I, I thought the Capitals, with how many injuries they had, I didn't think they were going to be able to deal with a Rangers team that was completely healthy. Uh, but Ovechkin looked good, two goals. I mean I, – I honestly think I, I'm interested to see what you think as a Caps fan. Do you think he catch catches Gretzky? Yes, I agree. He does. I think I, I think he does. I mean, he's he's got two goals already this year. I mean, he's he scored he's a just, shorthanded goal last night. He's breaking the record. He's awesome, man. He is one of my favorite players to watch. I was always an Ovechkin guy over a Crosby guy personally. Uh, they're two totally different players, but just Ovechkin's style. Ovechkin just reminds just me of the game more than Crosby did. He was better for hockey. He did. And he, he he's never, I'm, I'm knocking on wood in my house. He, he's never really had a severe injury. He's still producing at a high clip at how old is he now? 35, 36, 36. He's, he's awesome, man. He is just so much fun to watch. He reminds me so much of Peter Forsberg, just his all around game because he'll lay some big hits. He'll lay the wood. He's, He's, he's okay defensively. I wouldn't say he's great, but he's, he's not, okay. He's not bad enough where it cancels out his impact offensively like a lot of people think it does. He's passable defensively. And I think my favorite part about Ovi from last night is people weren't even sure if he was going to play because he was dealing with that injury from the preseason. We were, we were going into that game not knowing if Ovi was even going to play, and by the end of the night, he he's fifth all-time in goals. Uh I, I mean, he's just – he's the best, man. I, I love watching Ovi. Uh, Vitek Banachek surprised me. I thought he played really well. We were talking about this uh, before we started recording. I thought Sam Sonoff is the better goalie. I still think he's the better goalie, but I think they're going to move forward with Banachek just because Banachek, you know what you're getting every night. Like, you know you're going to get reliable goaltending play. With Sam Sonoff, it's really boom or bust. Yeah, it's going to be Banachek's job to lose, but circling this back to the abs a bit and – their situation in that Darcy Kemper, if there were doubts coming into this year, he made me feel a lot better with his performance last night. He did not have to work at all in the first period. The avalanche just gave him an entire 20 minutes off, which I don't think Darcy Kemper has ever had in his entire career. And then when he was called upon to make the saves that he needed to make, he did. He was really, really good. That stop on the breakaway for Kirby doc, really kept the momentum in the avalanche's favor. And those are the kind of saves that you need in a game like that, because there, there could have been a possibility where the Blackhawks turn this game around a bit. They get some energy back and this game ends up being a lot closer, but Kemper really shut the door in his first game. 
it, he was awesome. Uh, the two goals he allowed up that the one by Kubalik was just a fantastic shot. I mean, no goal is stopping that. It doesn't get it, any better than that, honestly. Like there was nothing it was, to do. It was a fantastic shot. And then the second goal, I'm trying to remember how they scored. It, it, it was a tough save. Um, I, I thought he was awesome. I, you mentioned how he, he made the saves when he needed to. I mean, definitely the Blackhawks were getting some energy in that second period. And Kemper stopped two breakaways, kept the game at 3-1. And then shortly after the Avs scored their fourth goal with Nazem Kadri, I am really, really excited to see how Kemper plays this year, because I think we both agree on this. If he stays healthy, he could potentially be an upgrade from Philip Grubauer. He could be. Yeah, he could be. And we saw it. We've seen Grubauer struggle a little bit so far in that first game against Vegas. He wasn't great. I'm not going to come on here and say he was bad, but his positioning was a little off. We've dealt with Grubauer getting some slow starts before. When he came to Colorado, he was just okay in the first few months of his tenure here. And, I mean, if we're going to draw conclusions off the first game, Kemper was better for their first games with their respective teams. He was. Uh, Grubauer, it's, it's tough. I still have a lot of love for Gruby. I, I know a lot of fans have some animosity about him going to the Kraken, but he did what's best for him. He went and got more money. He got more term. But I think he's going to struggle this year with a Kraken team that is going to be average. I think we're both in agreement. They're yeah, going to be average. Middle of the pack. Middle of the pack. I mean, I was really impressed with how they battled back against Vegas, falling behind 3 nothing. But Gruby just – he allowed some goals that I just was – I was shaking my head. I wonder if it's just T-Mobile Arena because game six, he was not good. He's got and some then, demons in that arena, man. Yeah. And then Tuesday, he was – like that last goal we gave up to Chandler Stevenson, which we'll talk about it. I mean, that was 100% a kicking motion like that. Shouldn't have counted. Shouldn't have counted, but I still don't know what Gruby was doing on that play. Shouldn't have like, counted, he, and he should have saved it. Yeah, he. it was a weak, weak shot, and he just lottie-dawed his way back into the net, and it was just such a bad goal to give up after the Kraken had pretty much gained all the momentum in that game. Yeah, I mean, you, we talk about goalies answering the call. Kemper answered the call in his situation in game one against the Avs, making the saves to keep the Blackhawks off the board and keeping momentum in our corner. Seattle ties that game at three, being down three to nothing. And what was it, less than three minutes later after that beautiful shot from Morgan Geeky, that puck goes in. Just, it's not a good look for Grubauer. And it sucks that this is my final memory of Grubauer, but that goal he gave up in game six if we kept Grubauer, by some miracle, we make those cap gymnastics work. The same portion that is doubting Darcy Kemper would remember that goal that he gave up to tie that game at one in game six and say we made the wrong choice anyway. It was it was such a bad goal. Yeah. I'd suppress that goal down into deep chambers of memories because... It's the only goal I remember from that game, honestly. It's the only it, thing I think about because the Avs had all the momentum tape scores in the first minute. And then from McKinnon, Grubauer, which is what we need. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go down this rabbit hole. I hate it. We're going to go down this rabbit hole. And if Grubauer makes that save, I, I, I think the Avs keep the momentum on their side and may make it two nothing. I think they win the but game. I think they do too. And then you get Kadri back for game seven. I know we're living in the past and we can't take it back, but I agree. That's, that's a tough last look for Grubauer in an Avs sweater. Cause he was so great 
all year and then in game even, six. And then even in the beginning of that series, he was better than Flurry. And then, oh, without a doubt. And then you get to Vegas, and even in game three, he was good. And then it just kind of slowly went more and more downhill, not to, not to completely reopen this wound after the first game of the year, but just getting, just getting back to my point a little bit, we got the saves we needed to see from Kemper and Grubauer hasn't made, didn't make the one he needed to make against Vegas and his, I mean, it's, it's kind of rough that his last game was in Vegas for Colorado. And then he immediately has to go right back there with a different team. I bet that was weird. It had to have been weird for him. And I, I'm cheering for him. I, I hope he plays well. Um, but I, I do think if Kemper plays like he did last night, the, the abs are going to be just fine. Yeah. Just I mean, it's, fine. It's kind of getting overlooked, but cause just cause of that first period and how ridiculously good the abs were, Kemper had to save 32 shots by the end of the night. Like he did not have to, to do nothing. I was, I was surprised, like looking back at the stats for this game, I didn't realize the Blackhawks ended up with 30, 34 shots at the end of the night and Kemper had to stop 32 of them. I thought it was going to be way less. So it was, it wasn't like the avalanches defense just totally bailed him out after the first period. He had, he had his work still a little bit cut out for him. And as honestly, I think he's the kind of goalie that benefits from that as we saw in Arizona with him, but he, I have no concerns about Kemper right now. If he stays healthy, I think, I think we just needed him to, to play well in the first game of the year. And we'll be like, okay, he's good. He fits well with the team. We can stop worrying about it now. Yeah, and I mean, whenever you're playing in front of the Avalanche defense core, um, you're going to look good. And he he didn't let any shots that should have beat him beat him. He, he was awesome. He was fantastic in net. And it's when Frankie gets back healthy, which we didn't talk about that, Frankie only a sprained ankle for – Pavel Francouz, which is a huge bullet dodge, um, should be back in a month. If those two can stay healthy, our goaltending is going to be better than it was last year. Hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL and now the NHL as well. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a single point. And just so you know, the last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943. So this is the safest $100 you will ever make in your entire life. It's an absolute no-brainer. And if DraftKings Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings will not leave you empty-handed because everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. And that's not it either because DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with just their first deposit. All you have to do is just make that first deposit and you get a free opportunity at millions of dollars just like that. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner 
of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's going to be interesting to see if Kemper even comes out of the net at all before that. I think we talked about this a little bit, but when would JoJo even come into the net? Because I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago. This Blackhawks game might be the easiest game of the month. It does not get any easier from here. You've got, like we were talking about, the Blues up next. You've got the Caps later in the week and a Florida road trip against Florida and Tampa Bay. And from what we've seen in one and a half games from the Lightning so far, as they are currently losing three to one to the Red Wings, Florida might be the tougher out of the two at the moment. Yeah, Florida's looking awesome. They're tied 2-2 with the Penguins here in the third period at the time we're recording this. Man, at, but, least at least that's the Penguins, not the Red Wings. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We're, we're both pretty high on the Panthers this year. It, it's I agree with you, though. I, I don't see a game where you start JoJo. I yeah. mean, maybe, maybe November 3rd when you're at home against Columbus. Maybe. Even then, I that's, mean, that's an entire month for Darcy Kemper right off the bat. I mean, what is this, eight games right away? Eight I don't, games know if, right I don't away. know if that's like something you can do at a certain point. I mean, I don't know if a head coach can go through an entire month with just one goalie and feel like they're, they're doing their job. So like, do you put them in against in the second game against St. Louis or something? Like, I just, I, it's what we said a couple episodes ago. I just don't see where Jojo can step into the net here. I, I, I would put my money that they're probably going to have him start in Florida. <sighs> That's that's a rough one. I, I think it's Florida because you got St. Louis, which Kemper will be starting in without a doubt. Then you got two days off. You travel to Washington. Kemper plays that game. And then I think Florida that Thursday, the 21st, yeah. when we'll see JoJo the first time. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think you're right with that one. Just based on the road trip and the teams, it just makes sense. I mean, Florida – they're good, but you got you got to play your backup at some point. You've got to deal with the hand you're dealt eventually, whether it's Frankie or JoJo or somebody else. You can't just play Kemper the entire month. You can't. I mean, looking at the schedule now more, they may play JoJo against Tampa because then they get – if Kemper was to play the 21st against Florida, he would have the 22nd off, the 23rd off, the 24th and the 25th, and then he'd play at home when the Avs face Vegas. That's probably more than likely the case is we'll see JoJo and net Saturday, the 23rd against Tampa um, because that Vegas game is going to be, you, you got to prove a point there. I think you're going to throw your best lineup out there on the 26th against Vegas. So I'm, I'm retracting that statement. I think JoJo starts Tampa Bay, the 23rd, and then we see Kemper back in net the 26th. Yeah, I don't, this, this is why we're not head coaches. We'll leave this nope. to, to we'll leave this to Bednar to decide because I, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being two games for Jojo at a certain point. You break you break it up a little bit, maybe put him in against Florida or Tampa and then maybe next week against St. Louis or something or Minnesota. It's it's not going to be an easy decision. And no matter what you do, it's probably going to end up feeling wrong regardless because there are no easy games this month, like we were saying. This is going to be a real real tough stretch for a little bit here but then once we get to november it it lightens up a lot i mean like you were saying two games against columbus vancouver san jose 
Vancouver, Seattle, Ottawa, Anaheim. And then you finish up with two centrals against Dallas and Nashville. So hopefully Frankie's Frank, good to go by then. So he we'll, should be. we'll see him coming back into the net probably for, I'd say, half of those games. But it's hard not to be impressed by the Avalanche last night and just the fire that they came out with. I don't blame them for maybe stepping off the gas a little bit later in the game. The, the score looks closer than what the game felt like. I mean – this game felt like it was six to nothing and it ended up being a two goal game. I mean, it felt a little dicey at the end after the Landeskog penalty. If they, like if they scored there, all of a sudden it's a one goal game and they've got plenty of time to empty the net and get a third one. But other than that, this game was, was over from the start. Yeah, it was, it, it kind of scared me because we got near when Landeskog took that penalty, I looked up at the scoreboard. I'm like, Holy crap, it's only four, two. Yeah. Like they pulled their goalie with three minutes left. And they, I can't remember a chance that they particularly had. I don't think uh, Kemper had to make a huge save. Kadri but... broke up a really big one right yes. at the end. Like the thing is about the Blackhawks is that I didn't really notice Patrick Kane all that much until that like one opportunity right at the end where he made that cross crease pass that Kadri broke up. That would have been a sure goal if Kadri didn't break that one up. But other than that, they didn't really have many opportunities in that final few minutes. No, I thought the Avs' uh, defensive game plan was fantastic. Uh, Jonathan Taves was finally back on the ice. He wasn't very noticeable. Kane, like you mentioned, he was shut down pretty much the entire game. And it was a really good defensive hockey game. Kemper played fantastic, and the Avs scored enough goals to win. I mean, if you're holding the opposing team to two goals, most of the time you're going to win those games. Yeah. One, you're with a, win with those a games. team like the Avalanche, if you if you're holding the other team to two goals, you should win 99% of the time. Without a doubt, because I just don't know if there's any defensive team in the league that can stop the Avalanche forward group. I mean, especially the way they were playing last night. Oh. Their transition game looked awesome. Is like, like the way they were breaking out of the zone was so clean and just it was beautiful. It was beautiful last night how quickly they transitioned out of the defensive end. Yeah, and that's without McKinnon. You're getting a healthy offense back. Like you just said, is there a team in the league that can stop that without just getting really lucky or hoping that the Avalanche just have an off night? Like, the only way to stop it is to, to be frank, to cheat, to hook them, to grab them. And maybe that'll work in the playoffs when officials stop calling penalties. But in the regular season, at least, the Avalanche are either entering the zone with ease or they're getting a power play out of it. There's just nothing other teams can really do. No, there's nothing teams can really do. You got to have a good four check, which Vegas does. I think Vegas has a good chance to shut them down. But in the West, I, I don't see a team outside of Vegas who can four check and keep the abs from breaking out of the zone. And that's the benefit of having guys like Kale McCarr, Devontae's when he's healthy, Sam Gerrard. Bowen Byram now, they're really good at moving the puck and getting it out of their zone. They don't they don't turn the puck over a lot. Now, I, I will say one player that kind of scared me last night, I don't think he played a great game, was Sam Girard. He he turned the puck over a couple times that led to a couple breakaways. I, I didn't I didn't see too much from him. Um I, I don't know what your thoughts were on Girard. I thought Girard was all right. Those turnovers were those were interesting to, to say the least. It looked like he just flubbed a couple of them, just a little bit of bad luck mixed in. I'm not concerned or anything. I mean, it's one game. I'm not drawing any conclusions about any single player after one game, but 
in terms of the defense, Gerard could have been better. I think Murray was okay. I mean, this might be an interesting. I might just this might be an interesting conversation. I mean, when Taze comes back, is Ryan Murray going to stay in the lineup? Is Jack Johnson going to take that spot instead? Right now, it's got to be Jack Johnson. I he was on the penalty kill, did a good job on the penalty kill, scored a goal. I think right now you got to keep Jack Johnson in the lineup. Uh, but that's the good part about having seven defensemen who are solid. You can rotate. Like if Johnson gets cold, you just throw Murray in the lineup. If Murray gets cold, you just throw Johnson in the lineup. Um, and I, I think right now we're leaning towards Jack Johnson. He's he's good on the PK. At least he was last night. I think he ended up playing. Uh, like we'll we'll see if that sticks because historically Jack Johnson has not been great on the power no. play or the penalty kill, but. Well, if, if he's good on the penalty kill, suddenly with the abs, that will be great. And to be clear about Jack Johnson, no one is happier than me that he played well last night. I want him to be good. That gives the avalanche so much depth. The one thing I was concerned about coming into this year is I didn't believe in the guys that they brought in to shore up their defensive depth. If Johnson can be a guy that rotates in and out of the lineup, that that's great. I want that. And Murray, if he wants to keep that that job that he su- is supposedly has as the 6D man, he'll need to probably be a, a bit better because Johnson, even without his goal, I thought was all right. Johnson was the better defenseman last night. Um, Ryan Murray, I, I think he's still feeling it out. He was hurt a lot last year. Yeah, so I think there's, it, there's it, some tentativeness that comes with injuries. Some tentativeness, and he was, he was okay. I think with more time, he will, he will get better. Um, I forget who was he paired with last night. Was he paired with Gerard or was he paired with Eric Johnson? I don't know why I just blanked on that, but I'm blanking on I it too. It, was it was, Kale? I think he was with Johnson actually. Jack Johnson? Yeah. Uh, I think that, I think I think that just, third pair was uh Jack and Murray. Yeah, they were mixing up the D pairs for sure. I think they at least saw, started the game together. Yeah, because it was Byram and I saw Byram and Jack Johnson out there a couple times. I think Kale McCarr had a different partner almost every time he was on the ice. They did a couple of times with Byram and a couple of times with Gerard, which I like. I like when coaches do that. They, they mix it up just because it's like you're not going to break up Taves and McCarr, but you can mix a match with those other two pairs and yeah. throw anyone out there. I mean, Eric Johnson, we, we haven't talked about him. He he looked good last night in his was, first I thought back. he was great. I mean, he he almost had an opportunity to just he had the he took the shot on the Landis Scott goal, didn't he? Yeah. I thought he had it for a second. So did I. So did I. I mean, Eric Johnson, if we talked about this with Raj, if he stays healthy, this team just gets so much better. Yeah, like, I mean, is, we we missed him last year. Even we won the president's trophy and played as well as we did in our division, but we really could have used Eric Johnson at certain points last year, especially in the playoffs. Like there are just certain things that guy does that flies so under the radar that not even guys like Gerard and McCarr can really do. He's, I don't want to say irreplaceable, but he kind of is on this team. We saw what it was like without him in the lineup. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's fantastic on the PK and anytime you can get, uh, Taves off the penalty kill. You can get a Gerard off the penalty kill. That just saves their legs for the rest of the game. You, you need those guys to, to rest because you need them for offense. So Eric Johnson is fantastic on the penalty kill. It was a Johnson and Johnson penalty kill at one point last night. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, and there's, I, there's, there's some, there's some immune system joke to make there, but. Oh, without a doubt. Um, and 
we talked about with Raj, if EJ stays healthy, man, he's just so good. And I think Avs fans forgot just how good he was because it's been almost two years since we've seen him play, just how integral he is to the team. And yeah, he has a big cap hit, blah, blah, blah. I know it's not the best contract, but you need players like that. You need players like Eric Johnson who are just going to be solid defensively. They're going to kill the penalty. They'll add in five, six goals if need be. But like you said, they're irreplaceable players like Eric Johnson. Yeah. And Eric Johnson, 6 million. It's not, it's not an albatross. It's more than he should make, but this was a contract that was signed well before this era of the Avalanche. This was signed in 2015 back when Mm -hmm. Johnson was a way bigger part of this team before this team was making the playoffs again. And there's only this season and next on it. He's it's not like he's just all of a sudden going to fall off a cliff this season or next and just be bad. I mean, he's the perfect like shelter for Sam Gerrard that that pairing together when we are healthy, I can't wait to see those two back and playing with each other again. Cause that is just a match made in heaven for a second pairing. It really is. Um, it, he just, Eric Johnson, you, you think about now, he's probably what the fifth best defenseman on the team. I mean, you got McCarr Taves one and two, three, Gerard and then four Bowen Byram already. Like, are yeah. we ready to make that jump? I mean, yeah. I mean, with how, with how good Byram has looked in just preseason and last night, yeah, Byram is definitely in that top four. You're telling me Eric Johnson's my fifth best defenseman? I'll take that a hundred times, a hundred times. That is fantastic. And him and Gerard, like we were talking about, they they're just the perfect yin and yang together. Like they just complement each other so well. And Gerard is able to take those chances. He's able to jump into the play. And don't be afraid. Eric Johnson is not afraid to jump in the play either. We've seen him, no fear, jumping in the play. But they just can read each other so well. And I'm excited to see that pair too once we once we get Taves back. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's just going to – we've only seen scratching the surface with this Avalanche team so far. I mean – I feel like we've kind of just glossed over it and everyone else has kind of glossed over it. There was no McKinnon. There was no head coach. There was no Taze. And we still played that well. Like it's hard not to get super excited about this team. And we're going to get a lot of answers over the next couple of days with going up against a team like the blues and the capitals and making this road trip out to play those tough teams in Florida. But for a one game sample size, that was really really impressive and just got me even more hyped up for this season and if it, it i'll admit it, it felt a little good to to see mark andre Fleury be be human in that first period and to see the abs light him up a little bit just a little yeah, just for a little bit of therapy just it feel a little better just a little sweet revenge yeah it's just, just like a little okay, bit he can be beaten he is human okay just makes me breathe a little easier at night yeah i i definitely slept fantastic last night knowing the abs oh, have won because like we talked about this road only gets tougher. Like you've got, you've got some really, really tough games coming up. We're going to see a lot of what this avalanche team is made of because it's, it's some tough games. I mean, it, it always seems this way at the beginning of the year. They always go on a nice long East coast road trip. Um, and the capitals are no joke. It looks like this year, Florida, even though they're down four to two now to the Panthers. I mean, they're a good team. They're deep. And Tampa Bay, 
say what you want that they're struggling so far this year. They are still the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, I mean they we, still are. Yeah, I mean Tyler Bertuzzi, uh, as I'm looking right now, has scored a hat trick for the Red Wings, and they are beating Tampa five to two at the moment. And the Jesus. Sabers are up five to one over the Canadians right now. Oh my God! Oh my Lord, we we got to talk about. We got to talk about the Sabres. Man. We have to. We yeah, to I've, been, I've been I've been tapping my feet waiting to talk about this team. That is this is the worst lineup I've ever seen. And the fact that Montreal is down by four goals to them is so great. It's so great. I love it. It is just it's hilarious. Like we talk we'll talk about this more. They are by far the worst hockey team on the planet Earth right now. Like it's going to be between them and Arizona for last place and for the first pick overall. And they're starting Craig Anderson and net who was terrible for the capitals last year. Yeah. He played, he he came in in the playoffs and won game one for them. That was really the only time they ever saw him last year was during that first game of the playoffs outside of like maybe a couple others where he was passable. And then they just went and made him the starting goalie in Buffalo. And right now, I mean, to his credit, he's stopped 23 of 24 shots so far. Maybe that maybe this is just the feel good story of the season with Greg <laughs> Anderson. How funny would it be if the Sabres make the playoffs without I, Eichel? I would probably just move on to another sport because I just don't understand any of this then. It's all random. It's all fabricated, scripted, and made up. Like, we don't understand any of it. We're living in a matrix. I mean, I already thought we were living in a matrix with the Jack Johnson goal last night. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the the Sabres starting 1-0. Who would have predicted the Sabres would have more points than the Lightning at this point in the season? Yeah. Who would have I mean, who would have predicted well, ta- it? actually Tampa now, I was wrong. They were it was not five to one, it was uh four to two, and it's now four three. So maybe Tampa Bay's got oh, some gas in the tank yet. But oh we man. jumped the gun a little bit. I'm so yeah. happy. Like I'm so happy. Look at us right now. Look at us looking at the Look scores, at- talking about all this already. I've missed this just so much. I mean, the offseason was a nice break for a month or so, but I missed this more than anything. All of this just just makes me so happy. It is the best. Hockey is without a doubt the best sport. And I'm telling you, if you don't have an ESPN Plus subscription, bite the bullet, pay the $65. It's cheaper this year than it was with NHL TV, isn't it? It's way cheaper this year. And you can watch every game. Every game. Like it is, I had NHL TV last year and nothing beats hockey. Like it is just every game is fantastic to watch. There's great matchups. All year because we get finally we don't have to play in those shitty divisions that we played in last year, um, and you get to see teams play that you hadn't seen play in a while, and it's it's awesome, man. I, I love gambling on it. I love watching it. My gambling picks have not been good, um, but I think I, been- I just turned old enough to to gamble, so we'll see how well I start doing. But if I if I put some pets on the early portion of the season, I would be out a couple bucks right now. Yeah, I mean, now the Senators, they were up 3 nothing against Toronto, and Toronto's made it 3-2 with eight minutes left in the third period. Um, yeah, it's not looking good, uh, but that's been the story of my first three days of the NHL season, not looking good. <laughs> yeah, but we're, we're going we're gonna to turn it around. I, I got a good feeling about it. We're going to turn it around. Yeah, and, so, and, you, and you brought up something a second ago. It's like, thank God we're not in those divisions anymore. I feel like I talked about it all the time before. 
I brought you onto the show, but I was so sick of playing the Sharks and the Kings and the Coyotes. Do you know how refreshing it was to see the Blackhawks again? How good that felt? Like, oh, look at that. That's Patrick Kane. I forgot that guy. Oh my God. It was, I'm just so excited. Even though, even though we have the Blues next game, they're the Blues. Those games are always fun. Then we're going East. We're playing the Caps soon. We're playing the, the Panthers. We're playing the Bolts. I've missed this. Are you, are you, I know you're in the DC area. Are you going to go to the Caps Avs game? Probably not. My schedule doesn't work quite yet with it, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I, I, it, it doesn't, it, there's nothing that compares to it. And like you said, I hated playing the Sharks. I, I just uh. don't like, like going into the Shark Tank. It's such an awful arena to watch a game on TV. <laughs> it is the worst. The angles are terrible. Uh, the Kings, I don't know why it is, but something in the Kings arena, it just always feels dark. I don't know if that's just me. It just always feels no, like it's you're, dark in there. You're, to- you're totally right. The California teams have very weird lighting in their arena. And I feel like San Jose is worse with it. I mean, San Jose, I'm sure it's great to go to a game there. Well, especially when they were good. I'm sure it was, it was fun to go to a game there. I'm not sure how great it is now, but watching them on TV has always just been a bit brutal. And that, that end of the year stretch where after we played our last game against Vegas, we had, what was it? The last seven games were against the Kings and the Sharks at the end of the year. I wanted to put my head through drywall, man. That was so bad. It was it was miserable, and like the Coyotes, it's fun playing the Coyotes every once in a while. But Eight. It, it got Eight it got times. boring. It got boring beating their brains in every game. Like it, it it did get boring, and I I just got tired of it. And it's just like I said, like you said, seeing the Blackhawks was refreshing last night. Like seeing Blackhawks fans in Ball Arena was it was kind of refreshing to see so a it team was like, that wasn't. Yeah, it, it wasn't, wasn't. Yeah, it, it wasn't was one like of those bad we don't we don't want to see other fans at the arena, but like ah, Blackhawks fans at Ball Arena, nature's healing kind of thing. Yeah, it was it was fantastic, and I can't wait for the rest of this year. I I told myself I and I'll tell you this too. My goal this year is I'm going to try to go to 40 of the 41 games this year. Oh really? I'm going to try to. So I got season tickets for the whole year. Uh, I'm going to try and make it to 40 of the 41. That's my goal this year, and I, I think I can get there. Um, but the one game I'm going to miss, I'm going to be in Michigan for the Michigan-Ohio State game. Ah. So, so you're, you're still going to be at a, a sports game. So I'll, exactly. I'll, I'll take that as a pass. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I joke, I know my girlfriend's not super pumped about it, but that, that, that's what we're shooting for, man. She doesn't, understand. Try and go to- she doesn't understand the grind, man. She doesn't understand the grind, man. I, I got to be there and I got to be in my nosebleed seats and just cranking out some memes and all that stuff. So it's uh, it, it's going to be a blast. And I, I cannot wait for Saturday and then the rest of the week, too. It, it's just nothing beats hockey, man. I no, get it. Nothing it beats it. Like I was excited when football came back a month ago but nothing will ever top just watching the first hockey game of the year for me, even if it's not the abs or the caps, just the first game for Tampa and Pittsburgh just felt so good. So good again. And speaking of uh, the first two days of the season, ESPN and TNT had their first broadcast. What did you make of them so far? I thought it was refreshing. Uh, It was refreshing to see a new, new broadcast partner of the NHL. I mean, we, 
I don't know if you remember a lot of ESPN games growing up. You may be a little too young. I was like three years old. Yeah. So I, I remember watching them growing up and I love that piece ESPN did with the theme song. Like it's, it's one of the best. That that sent chills up my spine. That was so good. It's one of the best theme songs in all of sports. And uh, we were talking about this, Sean McDonough. He's a football voice, but I think I'll get used to him being on hockey. Um, I think we're both kind of in agreement. We both like the TNT broadcast a little bit better. Yeah, I like um, I like the intermission panel they had. That was really good. Yeah, and I think ESPN will get their groove. But when you have Wayne Gretzky on any any sort of broadcast, I'm going to watch. Um, and then my favorite thing from the ESPN broadcast, I love AJ Malesko. I think she is such a fantastic broadcaster, and I, she just explains the game so well, and she's so calm during the game and. I don't know about you, but she's probably one of my favorite announcers in in the NHL right now. Yeah, she did a she did a fantastic job on ESPN on the first night. Just there's a couple people on ESPN sprinkled in that clearly don't know too much about hockey. And whenever AJ Molesco started talking, it was like that's much better. Yeah, and I, I thought John Bucigross was good. I know you're kind of indifferent on him. I liked him, and uh, I like Brian Boucher a lot too. Bucci Gross surprised me, honestly. I just, he didn't, in the in the World Cup a couple years ago, I thought he was annoying, so I didn't have high hopes for him. But the the Vegas game, the Vegas-Seattle game he called, I, th- I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, I liked Bucci Gross a lot. I kind of liked him more than McDonough and uh, Ray Ferraro. I like that second team with Bucci Gross, Malesko, and, uh, and uh, Boucher. Personally, that's just me. And then you can't beat TNT with Kenny Albert and Eddie Olchek. Eddie Olchek's just one of the best, and I I thought he was great. I didn't really care for Keith Jones on the no, ice. I've never I've never cared for Keith Jones that much. Like I think one, he's one smart, of the remnants of NBC that maybe you didn't really need. Yeah, I, I don't hate him, but I Olchek and Kenny Albert's fantastic. Yeah, like. They're fantastic, and I, I didn't get a chance to watch the Avs game. Who was on the broadcast for the Avs game? Ah, man, I think it was the Islanders guy, I think was. Yeah. I forget his name, but he was the guy um, doing the, the play-by-play. I, I forget the the other guys on the crew because I was still my – yeah, I was still coming home from my birthday and everything, but yeah. Yeah, no, I it, it was I didn't get a chance to hear him, but I like that Islanders guy. I know his his name. I gotta look it up. I gotta see who what his name is. But he was I, awesome. He, is he's it, got a is good it big Brendan game. Burke? Brendan Burke. Brendan Burke. You yeah. got it. I like him a lot. He's young, but he he's good. He's he's, really he's grown good. on me a lot over the last couple of years. I didn't I didn't love him when he started doing stuff in 2019, but he's he's improved a lot just over the course of two years. He might end up being the main voice of the NHL soon. Yeah, he's awesome, man. Um, but I've really liked the broadcast. TNT, I think they do a fantastic job with the NBA. So seeing them take NHL, I think it's just going to take it to a whole new level. Like the the NHL needed this. Like NBC, it was good. I liked NBC. I mean, you had Doc Emmerich. I was going to watch any game with Doc Emmerich, but they weren't growing the game. Like I, I don't think they have the audience that ESPN and TNT have. I think we're going to see an influx of hockey fans in. Like we're talking about this, ESPN's tweeted more about hockey and covered more about hockey and Sports Center in the past two days than they have in the past eighteen years. Yeah, one hundred percent. I saw the numbers for the um, ESPN and TNT. The numbers were up this year. 
I don't remember. I think it was close to, to 800,000 on average for both the Capitals and the Avalanche. The Capitals just being the, the earlier game got a little better ratings because it was 10 o'clock Eastern time by the time the Avalanche started, but they still drew pretty well, especially for TNT. The lightning game ended up doing really well along with the, the Vegas Seattle game and the broadcast just, I don't know how else to describe them other than refreshing. It all just, it all just felt good to, to watch. I love the new score bugs they put up there. I like the, the ESPN one a bit. The TNT one I think is just okay, but it's just a nice change of pace. They don't block anything. They, they just look nice. The whole broadcast just, just felt refreshing to see. They, as much as some people don't like some of the people they brought on to, to TNT, I really liked all their chemistry and they're just going to keep getting better. This was the first one already. And as the season goes on, it's going to get a lot more entertaining. And I think this was a great thing for the NHL. This was what they needed to grow the game. Cause like you said, NBC just never did a great job of that. The commercials they would put out there were terrible. No one follows NBC really like on social media. They're not like a big social media presence. And they were kind of out of the, the four major sports, the NHL was outside of like a couple football games, really their only big property that they owned the entire rights to. And after a while, it kind of just seemed like they were going through the motions in like the last five years of that deal. Well, I mean, if you remember the first, you, you may be too young to remember. So it was on versus you remember yeah. that? Like you remember I the versus channel? Like that's where the NHL got stuck to. And the NHL did it to themselves with the lockout because they screwed themselves and they had to take whatever deal they could get. But now that's back on ESPN, it's just sports and still the most watched sports show. It is still the most watched sports show. People will watch sports in there. I watch it every night before I go to bed. Like, and it's so nice to see hockey being talked about and even tweeted about like, it, it's such a simple gesture by ESPN. I think, ESPN and Sportsner have over like 40 million followers on Twitter. Like seeing them tweet out hockey highlights, seeing them put out commercials. The commercials were fantastic too. Like for both, they were awesome commercials. And I, I'm really excited for the NHL and I hope we see a lot more hockey fans. Yeah. And like hockey is just such an easy sport to love. Once, once you figure out how to track the puck, which is always the thing with new hockey fans, like oh, I can, I can never find the puck. Once you, once that you sit them down for a game or you take them to a game for the first time, they love it. And ESPN is going to bring a lot of new eyes to the sport. And I just don't see how this couldn't work out. I mean, even a couple of years down the line, just constant exposure to people who are used to watching basketball and football on ESPN. It's, it's just going to grow the sport even more. And we're going to wonder why we didn't do this sooner, honestly. Yeah, I loved the ESPN did that in the uh, Seattle Vegas game where they just let they, no announcers talk for like two oh, minutes. Oh, I love that. And that just let the game, that was awesome. And they were switching the camera angles every time. It was awesome. What'd you think of like the sky cam they had? I, ESPN? Li I liked what they were doing with it. I didn't love some of the angles. It kind of felt like you're sitting in the nosebleeds, but the rink is tilting. It was a little disorienting. I think if they work out a a couple of the wrinkles with that, I think it could be great. But the thing of just like the announcers just shut up for a few minutes and just let the sound of the ice take over and let the crowd sounds come in. That's a great idea. They should be doing more of that. They should. It was awesome to watch. And I mean, I, I was, I kind of liked that camera angle. It was something different. 
that one where they were up high, but I hated how long they stayed in it. Yeah. Like they did it through the whole, like the whole pace of the game or it was like a whole before a stoppage. It was like the whole time. I wish they would have just like flipped back. That was the only, that was my only complaint with the ESPN broadcast. Yeah. And they've got a whole season to, to iron out a couple of those things, but a real solid start for the NHL with their new TV deals and a real solid start for the avalanche in their first game of the season. So before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts to add on the avalanches four two win? No, I don't have anything to add, but just wanted to uh, remind everyone that we are doing a Kale McCarr Jersey giveaway. The winner will be announced tomorrow. Uh, so by the time you're listening to this podcast, just make sure you go and retweet that tweet. And uh, Griffin and I will announce the winner tomorrow. So we're super excited about that and uh, super excited you guys are following along. Yeah, absolutely. And this is just game one of what's going to be an outstanding journey for the rest of the season. But that is going to do it for this edition of the Tell It Abs. It is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. If you want to follow the show, it is at Tell It Abs. It is. If you want to follow me specifically, it is at G Young's NHL. Christian is at Christian underscore Bole, spelled B-O-L-L-E. And we'll be back on Monday to talk about the Avalanche's game against the Blues and look ahead for their game against the Caps. Have a good one, guys. Thanks for listening. All right, we will catch you all next time. Enjoy the rest of your week.